0: The Start Your Own Business Podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut. Helping small businesses succeed.
1: Hello, I'm Chloe Thomas, bestselling author and award-winning podcast host. Welcome to the second season of the Start Your Own Business podcast, where I get practical advice from experts and small business owners that can help you set up a new business and get off to a great start, saving time and money along the way. In this episode, we are talking tax. We are talking what the allowable expenses are you can submit as part of your annual tax return as a sole trader. So a very specific part of tax. We are going to be running through how to claim the potential penalties if you do it do it wrong. We're going to be talking about what an allowable expense is. and We're going to be going through a whole load of different categories of what you can claim, what you can't claim, and some ways HMRC have set up to make it a little bit easier for you too. There's a wealth of information coming up very, very shortly. So if you are a sole trader, And you're interested in doing the best you can with your tax return, and quite frankly, who wouldn't be? You really want to stay tuned for this one. Before we meet our guests, please take time to find out about our sponsors, the Federation of Small Businesses, and how joining could be among your best business decisions.
0: This series of the Start Your Own Business podcast is brought to you by Startup Donut in association with the Federation of Small Businesses.
1: Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed, and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your business dreams. With FSB's Startup Hub, you'll learn business law basics, discover top tips for securing funding and hear advice from successful entrepreneurs from startup to scale up. Start your business journey with the Federation of Small Businesses. Find out more and download a free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk forward slash start. It's time to introduce our expert, Mike Parks, who is Technical Director at Oldham-based Go Simple Tax. Go Simple Tax is award-winning software that makes filing self-assessment tax returns easier for sole traders, freelancers, and others who pay income tax via self-assessment. Mike has worked for HMRC and in practice for most of his 30-year career and has a detailed understanding of personal and small business taxation. So he certainly knows a thing or two about self assessment and allowable Expenses. Hello, Mike.
2: Hello, Chloe. Nice to meet you.
1: Great to have you here to to en- enlighten us all on a subject. Where I think a lot of you know new people into business get quite scared of accidentally claiming something they're not allowed to, or not claiming something they could have claimed. So we're going to sort all that out today for a specific group of startup businesses who are the sole traders. So could you please define what makes a sole trader?
2: It's essentially somebody that works on the role, that's not not working for an employer, uh, providing a service generally, or reselling goods. They don't work with a business partner, and they're not. they have not incorporated as well a as limited company.
1: Excellent. Uh, very, very straightforward. So, if you're if you're one of those, definitely stay listening because this t- advice is completely tailored to you. Why is it often that sole traders lack this knowledge of what they can and can't claim as tax deductible expenses?
2: I think in many cases, people move into becoming a sole trader from having been employed, and therefore the taxes are taken care. Of by their employer. It's not something you have to worry about on a day-to-day basis. It can be complex. So sometimes the rules can't be great. There's not always a right and wrong answer sometimes. And it's just fear of the unknown. I think that's by far the biggest thing, it's, it's fear of the unknown. And you always get the rumours, the guy down the pub said, I can't claim this, the guy down the pub said, I can't claim this. And that kind of murkies the waters looking at this as well.
1: Do you find that you come across more soul traders who are claiming more than they should or less than they should?
2: I would say more than they probably should, generally speaking. Certainly in the in the first year or two when there's that uncertainty around.
1: Which is the, definitely the wrong way to be because that's when you can get yourself into quite a bit of trouble. So let's talk about what actually is an allowable expense? What's the, the definition of that?
2: It's essentially some expenditure that you incur as part of your business that helps you fulfill the service or, or sell the product, whatever it may be. So an allowable expense will be something, for example, we'll use a driving instructor as an example. The, the, the driving instructor needs to put fuel in his car, he needs to insure it. It needs to have it serviced and maintained, et cetera. They're all allowable costs because they allow him to do his job. Okay. So he's looking at the costs that allow you to do your work or perform your task or sell your goods. There's a sort of kind of broad suite on there.
1: And are there, Corinne what are, what are the sorts of things we can generally claim?
2: Okay, so quite, quite an extensive list. So you can claim office costs, so that would include stationery, mobile phone bills, printing, etc. Travel. If you if you travel as part of your, if you as your job, uh, or you if you're sole trader, so if you're traveling to see customers, suppliers, etc., that's absolutely fine. You can claim some elements of clothing, but clothing is quite restrictive in terms of it's only they've got to be logos. If you do have a small business and you've got a logo, you can claim the cost of purchasing and cleaning that. Got that, that clothing or something that's protective. So if you need to wear a steel toe cap boots because you're a, you're a, you're a tradesman, example, for example, that they will be allowable. Something that work clothing, so normal clothing is not allowable. Buying a smart suit is not allowable because employees buy suits for work and they don't get tax deductions. You can kind of think of it in not broad terms. If you do grow and you need to take on staff, then you can claim the staff costs, so that's salaries and subcontractor costs, pension contributions you may have to make for your employees, etc., employee liability insurance. Any costs associated with the staff. As I say, if you're selling goods, so if you're buying things and reselling them on eBay, Etsy, for Excel, etc., then the cost of buying those goods before you sell them. Financial costs. So that would be if you have a business bank account, you've got bank transactions, the bank's charging you. If you use a business credit card and you pay interest charges, etc., all those costs can be checked claimed. Advertising, marketing becomes very expensive. Website, leaflets. Email campaigns, etc., those can be claimed. And the cost of business premises. Again, if you've got business premises, a specific place where you go and you rent an office or a warehouse or a storage unit, etc., that's perfectly acceptable. Those costs are related to your business. If you work at home, then you can claim some cost of working at home towards a contribution, towards a heat and a light, etc. There's so quite an extensive list of expenses you can claim.
1: I love that point you made, Mike, about if as an em- we wouldn't expect an employee to cover that cost themselves, then we can probably claim it. it. That seems like a very good rule of thumb.
2: I think it's just a guideline, yes. I mean, there are some nuances amongst all of those items. The key to it is record everything down.
1: Well, that was going to be my next question was how do we go about claiming this and what sort of proof do we need? Because presumably we can't just tell HMRC all of these things, they cost us £1,000 a month. So we're going to claim £1,000 a month. Well, presumably it's, it's a bit more complicated than that.
2: In terms of proof, you need to keep receipts okay, and you need to keep those receipts for five years and nine months after the end of the tax year. So you've got to keep them broad sweep six years, keep the receipts, keep them categorised. Because should HMRC ask you need to be able to substantiate any expenses you claim as part of the business? So that's, that's, the, that's the key thing is to, is to keep the receipts.
1: On that, keeping the receipts, does that mean we kind of need boxes in the attic or can we scan them and keep them in some form of software?
2: Either or, whichever your preference. If you're less tech savvy, keeping them in a box is absolutely fine. If you like to use a mobile phone or, or a computer, etc., then you can scan them and store them that way. That's absolutely, equally absolutely fine. Moving forward, from April 2024, there is a new regime coming in called making tax digital income tax, which is going to mandate uh, the keeping of digital records anyway.
1: So if you're starting a business right now, getting used to the digital record keeping would save you some hassle when we get to 2024.
2: It'll save the hassle when you get to 2024. It'll get you into that groove and doing things in real time.
1: Excellent. And that, so that's what we need to keep is all these receipts and the proof. How do we go about actually claiming is it you know is it the january tax crazy thing that we hear about or can we build this up throughout the year
2: the advice is for myself another professional would be to build this up throughout the year so the tax year runs to the 5th of april each year 95 percent of sole traders will have operate within that remit and run the business to the 5th of april so it's nice and tidy so you should keep on top of things as you go so that when you get to the end of the tax year it's just a bit of tidying up. You're not rushing around trying to dig in boxes, get receipts out of glove boxes in the car, etc., and pull it all together. Because that, that creates mistakes, it creates ang- angst, and it creates delays. So, all, as you go, you know, it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be every week. But have a pattern every two weeks every month. But have a Set some time aside to do these.
1: And of course, all of this, you know, the, the better we do this, the less tax we have to pay. So it's very much in our interest to do it well, isn't it? I mean,
2: potentially, yes. One of the benefits of doing your record keeping as you go is you're less likely to lose a receipt and forget what you mm-hmm. spent. So, I mean, obviously, there's no guarantees. You may, you may produce the same figures towards at the end of the year as you at the beginning of the year. But the general rule of thumb is you are going to lose something. Uh, and, and then if you lost like, like, for example, if you lost a petrol receipt for fifty pounds, tax and national insurance for a basic weight taxpayer, that's an extra 14 pound in tax you'll pay. So it, it's it's worthwhile doing things on an ongoing basis.
1: Yeah, definitely. To to not have to be hunting around trying to find receipts is a joy and well worth doing. And Mike, we mentioned that obviously there's if you lose things, you're not gonna be able to claim the tax back. But also, there are penalties for making errors as we do this as well. So what's the penalty of not doing our tax returns well?
2: Well, the first penalty will be if you don't submit it on time. And that, that's an automatic awesome, £100 fine. So, and the deadline for filing tax returns is the 31st of January. There is a concession this year uh, whereby if the return is submitted by the 20th of February, the penalty is reduced from uh, £100 to zero albeit the return is still technically late. So that's the first penalty you need to be concerned about. Then it depends on, um, so HMRC take your figures at face value when you submit them and calculate the tax and you pay the tax due based on those figures at face value. They may then make inquiries into your tax return, so you have to substantiate some figures on there. If you can do that, that's brilliant. There are no issues. If you can't do that, then there is a potential for uh, penalties and extra tax to pay. Now, the penalty very much depends on how good your records are, whether it's a deliberate mistake or accidental. And the penalties can range from 30% to 100% extra tax due. So it can be quite steep.
1: But capped at the amount of tax you should have paid doubled, if that makes sense. Yes. So you pay, you'd pay, you pay the tax, and then you pay the tax again, is what I'm trying to say.
2: That's worst case. Yeah, it's, it's worst case, yes. That, that, and that's for deliberate cases. A lot, a lot of the time, it is genuine mistakes.
1: And therefore, a lower fee. And of course, if you're getting investigated by HMRC, that's an awful lot of time and stress to deal with too, isn't it? So it really is worth getting it right first time. Oh,
2: absolutely. If HMRC write a letter and say, can you prove you spent X amount on fuel? The easiest thing is to send off the receipt restra- seats and give them a copy, and they'll be happy with that. And they might be happy with just checking one particular item of a tax return and go, yeah, that thought that bit right. We are happy with the rest of it. If 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 you can't provide receipts for the one particular item, they might then extend that out and look at other items.
1: And the actual way in which we claim, you mentioned that the tax year for for most of the people we're talking to here, most of the sole traders, is that it the tax year ends on the fifth of April, and the deadline for submitting is the thirty first of January. Sure. Can we submit at any point during that time if we've got all the paperwork together?
2: Yes, you can start your submission on the 6th of April, following end of the tax year. So you can submit it the day after the end of the tax year. We do get a lot of people that don't file early because they believe you also have to pay the tax early, and that's not the case file your tax return early or pay your tax on the normal due date. You don't have to pay your tax any sooner.
1: So you can get it out the way before you've forgotten <laughs> what happened
2: and... And then you know what your, your obligations are. So people that file tax returns in April, May, and June will know what they've got to pay on the 31st of January. People that are filing the tax returns for the next five days will not know until the tax returns has been calculated what they have to pay by the end of January. And if you've got a shortfall, but, you know, you can... Create yourself some financial distress.
1: I'm just saying, for everyone who's going, over the next five days, what's he talking about? We're recording this on the twenty-sixth of January, which is five days between before tax deadline. And we are incredibly grateful to Mike for being able to to spend the time to record with us in this really busy, busy time period. So that's what the five days is about. You know, you could if you filed five days before the tax deadline, you've only got five days to make sure you've got the tax to actually pay when it's due on the 31st. Is it as simple to claim as logging onto the HMRC website and filling in a form? Or should we be getting a professional on board to help us?
2: Uh, That very much depends on your capabilities. I would, I would say the, the majority of sole traders should should be capable of filing the tax returns themselves. HMRC do provide a free tool. I've, I've put that out there uh, because they do. Uh, and there's many millions of people currently use that free tool. And that's literally a form filler. So it doesn't it, it allows you to fill the boxes in, but it doesn't give you any sort or tips, etc. cetera, so any potential savings you may have. But it allows you to fulfill your liabilities and obligations to HMRC. If you, you've all got the option of using third party software, such as ourselves, but there are obviously there are other providers on the market. Uh, and, and and they vary in the way that they'll ask you and allow you to enter data and the help and the hints and the tips and the support they provide on there. And then of course you could go to an accountant if you don't feel comfortable. And use, those, and use the services of an accountant.
1: So however much this suits you or doesn't suit you as a business owner, you can choose the route that works best for you, which is always always good to know there's options out there.
2: And it's often change as well. You know, just because you go to an accountant for the first year to so help you get into the groove of things and get set up, if that's what you choose, doesn't mean you have to stay with that accountant. You can then start filing yourself. After a year or two, once you're comfortable, I've got un- an understanding. Equally, If you start off and you're comfortable and you want to do the filings yourself because you feel confident and competent in that, but your business grows and you need more assistance, then you can sculpt an accountant at that stage when you might need more more assistance as your business grows and develops.
1: Yeah, plenty of flexibility there. And Mike, I believe that for the some some categories of expenses, we don't have to, uh, to necessarily keep all the records. There's some simplified ways of claiming in a couple of cases. Could you talk to us about those? Because I think anything that makes life simpler is worth knowing Absolutely. about.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the main one is, or uh, well, the main two are working from home. So as a sole trader, you can claim an allowance for working at home on a flat rate based on the number of hours per month you work at home doing your, doing your self-employment. So, for example, if you're working at home between 25 and 50 hours per month, or a trader, you can claim £10 or £120 a year for an allowance towards eating and lighting, etc. So that's nice and simple. You don't need to keep any records for that. Um, and the other one is um, mileage allowance. So running a vehicle can be expensive. Lots of receipts, lots of invoices, etc., etc. But you can choose to claim a fixed rate per mile instead of keeping details of the invoices, etc. Now, technically speaking, you should still keep all the invoices, but most importantly, you need to keep a mileage log to verify the fact that your mileage for your business is X per year. And then you can claim a f- flat flat rate. And that flat rate is quite, I can say, it's generous, it's not gone up for enough years. But for the first, first 10,000 miles, you can claim 45p per mile. And then for any mileage above ten thousand, then like twenty five people per mile, and then that's nice and simple.
1: That saves a lot of work using those, and those are called the simplified expenses scheme, aren't Correct.
2: they? Correct. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay, so let's dive into a couple of the tricky expenses areas, Mike. So I think we've covered all the kind of the big general stuff. So let, let's get into the tricky ones. You mentioned that there's a. There's obviously this simplified expenses scheme on the work from home, which is based on on how many hours a month you're in the home. Yes. How might we do that differently if we didn't want to use the simplified scheme?
2: It's on an apportionment basis. So you look at the space you're using in, in the home and you would then allocate costs accordingly. Now you could do that on a square foot basis or you could do it on a per room basis. So, if you've got seven rooms in the house and one is used exclusively for uh, working people, quick bit of maths: one seven. You don't include the bathroom. Um, so, I think so. You know, one six could be claimed for heat, by, mortgage interest, uh, water rates, etc.
1: Which, in some circumstances, would be a better way to do it than the simplified thing. I guess you've just got to run the numbers, haven't you?
2: You've got to run the numbers, and whilst. <laughs> In practical terms I've never come across it really. There is a right, there is a potential for some capital gains tax if you sell your house because part of it is now being used as a business so it falls outside the um home. But that, that's a very rare situation. It's just something to bear in mind. HMRC have got really good articles on these as well, as well. Can some examples on the website as well. It's just well worth a look on their website.
1: So if you're an Etsy seller with a room you use for storing the goods and, and running everything and you you or you're even using your garage for that and then you've got a separate room as an office, there's quite a bit of square footage potentially involved, isn't there? There
2: is, yes. There is, yes. Yes. So yeah, you're right. It's a crunch of numbers and see what they what they come out with. But yeah. Of course you can check you can check that at the end of the year. You can work out which is which is best for you.
1: Yes, because you don't have, presumably, you don't have to commit to this for every single year. Once you've started the, the simplified version, you don't have to do that every year.
2: Not for working from home, no. No. The car's slightly different in that once once you decide you're going to use a more allowance, you then have to stick with that. So you change your car.
1: And what would be the alternative way to doing mileage if it's not on that mileage rate? Or or doing the car, rather, if we're not doing it on the standard?
2: Yeah, the actual cost cost of running the vehicle, so your insurances, your your OTs, uh, contacts, et cetera, fuels, maintenance, et cetera, that that will all come into the melting pot. Any finance on purchasing the car, so the interest challenges, which, incidentally, you can claim those uh, as well if you're claiming the mileage, that is an exception for that. And also, you claim some claim some capital allowances for the depreciation on the vehicle as well itself, and that what you can claim varies dependent upon the CO two levels in the vehicle and et cetera. So it's more complex.
1: Got you. And then going back to the home based business, or the you know the home office, or the stock stored in the garage. If we're putting that on shelving, or we're putting you know we've got a desk and a chair. Do we are we able to claim those sorts of things as business expenses? Oh, sorry, as allowable expenses, I should say? Yeah, absolutely,
2: yes. Yes, the more we got.
1: If we already own them before we start the business, can we claim them or does it need to be new purchases because we need that receipt proof?
2: No, you can, you can claim expenses. So there's, a, there's a something called pre-trading expenses. So you can claim expe- pre-trading expenses or anything purchased in the previous seven years are used in the business on day one
1: wow that's quite a long time period isn't it well it
2: is but equally you've got to have receipts got to to prove it
1: (laughs) there's some very organized people listening right now rubbing their hands in glee and everyone else is going oh yeah I, i suppose a lot a lot of businesses send receipts by email these days so actually it probably is relevant to more people now than it would have been say 10 years ago
2: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And and, and the HMRC definition is, is of pre-trading is as I say the previous seven years, and it's treated as if the expenditure was incurred on day one of the business,
1: which could make a big difference to your tax payment in year one. Yes. Excellent tip there, Mike. Thank you very much. Does that also go for things like computers and technology? How do we and how do we generally, you know, claim for those in the business?
2: Again, yes, it's anything used in the business you can claim for it as, as regards to pre-trading. As it if you could claim for it anyway. So the rules the rules of eligibility are the same, whether it's pre-trading or post-trading or whilst you're trading. There's no difference there. Computers, etc., will be treated as, depending if you're on the cash basis or not, so you can elect to complete your tax return on what's called cash basis or standard accounting basis. Cash basis is essentially where you record income as you receive it and expenses as you spend the money. If you do that, then you just claim the costs of your computers and equipment as a general expense in the business. If you do it on traditional accounting or standard accounting method, which is if you raise invoices, and get paid at a later date, or receive or buy goods, pay for them at a later date, and do them on invoice date rather than payment. Then you claim them as what's called capital allowances. The ultimate the result is is broadly the same, but it's just how you treat them in your tax return.
1: Got you. And if we're using a computer for you know our work, and the kids are using it for their homework, and we're using it you know to place our online food delivery orders, can we still claim for the purchase of that computer?
2: Yes, you should split it though. You should apportion the claim to a percentage that relates to personal use and a percentage that relates to business use, and only claim the business use elements only. Can be quite again. This is one of those grey areas, can be difficult to determine, and certainly evidence how much time somebody spends on the computer. Um, but I, you should have some thoughts about if HMRC asked, eighty percent of my time on this computer is uh, business. How can I justify that?" You've got to be able to justify it. And that might be a simple case of I'm on it eight, eight hours a day working, 10 hours a day working, uh, and the kids are on it after school for two hours a day. It, it, it could be something as simple as that, but there's got to be some thought into how you've arrived at your percentages.
1: Got you. So, So think of it proportionally or buy it purely for the business, and then it makes the tax return more simple. Yes. Okay. And Mike, you mentioned right at the very, very beginning of our discussion that a lot of that you find a lot of sole traders in the first couple of years claim more than they should. So, what areas are they often overclaiming in?
2: Use of home is one, because they'll claim the flat rate and expenses. So, it'll duplicate. Likewise, on vehicles, on claim the mileage allowance, and also some loan costs. We see that quite frequently. Clothing, again. You know, depending on the nature, you might have to, about might want to wear a suit for it and they'll claim those as, as business expenses. Yeah, so, probably those, those three, I mean, on the other hand, obviously, all sorts of people try to claim all sorts of things, but probably they're, they're, the, they're the three that we, when we're looking at, when we do support tickets and we're looking at you know, helping people, they're the three elements I would say that stick out as, as a recurring area.
1: And I guess worth knowing about because if they're quite common, HMRC are probably looking out for them.
2: Yes, yes. So if the use of old claim looks, hold that return looks, looks high, um, it might be a red flag, like well, again, mileage, et cetera. And again, HMRC working in many different ways, but they'll obviously have algorithms that pick out if you turn over as X, and depending on your trade, they would expect your fuel to be within a range. I'll come back to the driving instructor again because it's quite a simple analogy. The driving instructors working 25 hours a week regularly or 30 hours a week regularly they might see well, I'll have a broad brush sweep. say well these working that. The, the fuel costs should be broadly within this range.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. And I have one last question on things we may or may not be able to claim, Mike, which is, can we claim our lunch every day? No. <laughs> that was an easy one, <laughs> wasn't it? No lunch, everybody. Are but, there any exceptions yes, to that? Yes, so if not. we're entertaining somebody?
2: Entertaining, definitely no. And that's the same for any business, regardless of whether you're a sole trader limited or company, et So... That's not tax deductible. Subsistence of your meals, yes, if you've got an overnight stay. So you have to go away, stay overnight, and you have to purchase meals around that stay. That's absolutely fine. But day-to-day food is, H HMRC you is you eat to live. We're eating anyway.
1: And if, we, if we're doing an overnight stay in London, can we go to the Savoy and have five courses and a very nice bottle of champagne on the company? Oh, sorry, and, and then put it against our tax return.
2: I'm not aware of any rules that say you shouldn't do you? <laughs> <laughs> Whether it. Well, Jones it might take a dim view on that if you if you turn over £25,000 a year and go stop and the "really," but sorry, I, I, I don't not that I'm aware of.
1: Not the best business decision, but you might be able to put it on your tax return. Is what we're saying. Is there any a kind of a last key thought you'd like to leave the sole traders listening to us right now with so they can set themselves up for success when it comes to claiming these allowable expenses?
2: Whatever method you're going to use for recording your expenses, whether that's in a an old-fashioned book, spreadsheet, or a piece of software, start from day one, get into the routine. Don't believe it's all last minute. It creates Two reasons. One is you've got a better understanding of where your business is at. So you know what you're earning, you know what you're spending. It allows you then to have some thought to, okay, if I'm doing well, I'm going to have to pay some tax. How much do I need to be putting on one side to pay tax? Again, help with that financial planning ordinance on. And you're removing the stress. You're removing, I know, I know we're close to the filing deadline because of the recording date. Checked our figures. There will be more people file tax returns on our software in the next five days that have done it in the previous 25 days. They're putting themselves under an enormous amount of pressure to do that, but nothing mistakes happen.
1: Yeah, Save yourselves the stress. Yeah, Get organised.
2: It's done in April or May. Know what you've got to pay in nine months' time. Don't leave it until till the day before.
1: Yeah, it's a win on so many fronts, isn't it? Uh, Well, look, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. For those listening who want to know how to find you and your business on the web, could you please explain all?
2: Yes, if you go to uh, www.gosimpletax.com forward slash money, that will take you to the money page. And there's also a 25% discount there for, for listeners of the podcast. You can sign up for a free trial, have a look, have a play. You're not obliged to do anything on there. Use support. Support's brilliant. If you're just on the trial, use support, ask your questions. We can't help you tell you. We can't point you in the right direction to the HMRC website. But, yeah, just give it a try.
1: Excellent. Could you just repeat the URL for everybody, please? Right. There. Well,
2: simple. Tax.com forward slash money.
1: Excellent. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on and being such a brilliant guest, sharing so much information about this knotty subject. It's been greatly appreciated by me and I suspect the whole audience too.
2: Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Another brilliant guest here on the podcast. I think Mike just made it an awful lot clearer all those things you need to consider and that you can claim in your allowable expenses as a sole trader. So just a reminder, I might have used the word business or company a couple of times there, but of course, all the advice we've just been talking about is through the lens of what you need to do if you are a sole trader as defined by Mike at the beginning of our chat, and you're looking at filing that end of year tax return you know the legal thing that you have to do. Quite frankly, but I thought Mike made it really, really clear a lot of the areas you need to think about and some ways of simplifying and making it easier for you too. Because this should just be part of something that you do as part of business as usual that doesn't cause you a whole world of stress. So for me, I think there were three key points to take away. One was start tracking it and recording it all now. However you're doing that, make sure you're doing it. Either do it weekly, do it monthly, do it fortnightly, but don't wait until the end of the year or until the tax deadline to get your house in order. If, you, if you're recording it the whole way through, it will make your life so much easier. And do it digitally because there's that big change coming in 2024 that you when you're going to have to do it digitally... So you might as well get used to that now. And there's amazing apps where you can scan in receipts as you go whilst you're out and about. And it pretty much does an awful lot of the filing of information for you. Secondly, I'd say don't be afraid to ask for advice. Accountants, advisors, helplines, The HMRC's website, they all have a lot of very useful information to help you work out, you know, for example, whether you should be doing the work from home simplified expenses scheme or whether you should be calculating it all based on that square footage to help you work out what you can claim for your pre-trading expenses, you know, on day one to help you work out how to tackle each of these. And a little bit of advice, which maybe even you have to pay a small amount for at this point, could save you an awful lot of time, stress and money further down the line by helping reduce your tax bill a little bit further. And then the third thing I'd take away from this is don't wait until the 31st of January to file it. You know, if you know what everything that's happened by the 5th of April in your business... You don't have to wait all the all the way to January to fill in this bit of paperwork. You can do that at any point between the fifth, the sixth of April, rather, right the way through to the to the the deadline on the thirty first of January. You can submit it. You can feel smug. You can get it out the way. Get it done. And you'll know how much you're then going to need to pay on the 31st of January. Whereas if you wait until the 31st of January to to do the calculations and submit to HMRC, that's going to be the first time you actually know how much you have to pay them. And it's due on the same day. So much easier for you, much simpler if you file as soon as you can rather than waiting. So those are the three things i take away. We have covered an awful lot of ground here. So to help you further, you can find the summary notes for this episode and links to more free resources by visiting www.startupdonut.co.uk and we're spelling donut D-O-N-U-T And by visiting www.startupdonut.co.uk, you'll also find content that could really help you save time and money around these topics too. This series exists to help you complete key tasks and negotiate key challenges when setting up and establishing your new business. So in the next episode, we'll be getting into marketing, or more specifically, bringing you a beginner's guide to digital marketing. So you don't know your Facebook ads from your Google ads. If the terms ROAS, CPC and CPA have got you all in a spin and you want to find a way to bring the right people to your business at a price you can afford, you really should tune in to our next episode. And if you're enjoying the series, picking up valuable tips, please spread the word to others you know who are setting up a business or thinking about it. Thanks to FSB for making both series possible. And don't forget to download their free startup guide. Details coming up in a moment.
0: Running your own business is exciting. You've got a great idea, the ambition to succeed, and lots of questions about how you can make your business a success. That's why the Federation of Small Businesses is behind you every step of the way, whatever your business dreams. With FSB's Startup Hub, you'll learn business law basics discover top tips for securing funding and hear advice from successful entrepreneurs. From startup to scale up, start your business journey with the Federation of Small Businesses. Find out more and download a free startup guide today by visiting fsb.org.uk slash start.